0: Ah, that feels a little warmer in here. So thanks to our board members also for coming up here. And uh, I am excited about what God's going to do. Uh, sign me up to be a Joy Scout, you know what I mean? I need some of that in my life. And uh, just excited at God at work here at Trinity. And uh, on a sort of related note, I uh, want to take a moment to uh, highlight something that's coming up next week. In your worship folder, you've got an invitation for an upcoming sermon series called The Call. It looks just like this. And this is not an invitation for you. This is an invitation for your friends. Uh, so you can bring your friends to, uh, to come next week and, and experience that. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a helpful series for all of us just to figure out what exactly are we supposed to be doing? What are the things that God has given us uniquely to do? How has he put us together in order to do these things? And And what are we supposed to be focused on? And whether you're a person who's, you know, working or not, or whether you're a person who's young or old, we all have calling on our lives, and we all have things that God wants us to do, and The Call is going to be a series that really helps us dive into that. So looking forward to that. That starts next Sunday, The Call. Uh, When my oldest daughter was young, maybe five years old, uh, she signed up to play soccer, and just to give you an idea of where this story is going to head, she's a college student now, and she's not majoring in soccer, she's majoring in music, kind of like the opposite of soccer or whatever. So keep that in the back of your mind as this story progresses. But uh, she signed up to play soccer, she was really excited, we were excited for her, and uh, her soccer career was very short-lived, to say the least. She, uh, she found out pretty quickly that she liked the idea of soccer a lot, but actually getting in the game... Was not was not her thing, and so uh, every game was kind of a challenge for her to really decide to to get off the sidelines and to get in the game. And finally, her coach, gracious guy that he was, he just bought her a set of pom poms, <laughs> and and she he said, hey, you stay and you cheer on from the sidelines, and we'll take care of the game. Right. And That was the end of her soccer career, her short lived soccer career. Uh, but you know, for a lot of us, uh, staying on the sidelines, it feels a lot easier, a lot safer. Uh, but if we're part of the team, then really we need to be getting in the game. We need to be engaging. That's the best thing for us to do, and last week we began looking at this book of Philemon, Philemon, and a lot of books of the New Testament are, are letters. They're actually letters, and many of them written by the Apostle Paul, not all of them, but uh, the authors, you know, they didn't name the books themselves. Paul didn't write a title at the top of his letter. They were named when they were gathered together later for convenience. And most of them are named after places, uh, cities, you know, uh, uh, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Romans. These are all books that were named after cities because they're written to churches in those cities, you know, Ephesus or Rome, those kinds of things. But Philemon is not a city. Philemon is a person. And he was a Jesus follower, a friend of Paul, and he actually hosted a church in his home. And uh, it seems that Philemon was a person who had a certain amount of money because he was able to support this church that met in his home and and uh, provide for them. And he was also a supporter of Paul, a partner with him in ministry in some ways, helped Paul in some, in some ways, But but really for all of his support... Philemon was a guy who, who was on the sidelines. He, he was on the sidelines of ministry. He'd done a lot of supportive things, but, uh, but the reason that Paul writes this letter to him is because he wants Philemon to really get in the game, to, to step up his engagement and do some real active ministry, not just standing on the sidelines and allowing his resources to be used, but to really get in the game, to really get his hands dirty, so to speak. And, and last week we said that this letter is really more than just a letter, even though it's written to Philemon, it's actually written to him, to his whole family, and to the church that meets there in his home, and all of them. And so it's a, it's a letter that's meant to be read broadly, meant to be read in church, as we'll do here in just a moment. And it's because it's meant to inspire action. It's meant to bring about change. Just like Philemon, Paul wants everybody who reads this letter to get in the game to engage in ministry at a deeper level, and that's a big part of what we'll talk about this morning. And just as a reminder, in case you weren't here last week or aren't familiar with the book of Philemon, it's a, it's a letter that's centered around one particular issue, and it's a little bit difficult to discern exactly what's going on. It's kind of like if you saw an email a conversation or a text conversation between two friends. They both know what they're talking about, and you might not be able to figure it out. I and mean, that's a little bit about the way this letter goes. But the big issue of the letter centers around a person named Onesimus. Onesimus, and he was a slave owned by Philemon. And Paul is writing to Philemon from prison. Philemon heard Paul was in prison, apparently, decided to send Onesimus to go and help Paul, to care for his needs and that sort of a thing. So, Philemon doing a little bit of sideline ministry, if you will, sending his slave Onesimus to go and help Paul. And Paul writes this letter to him and basically says, Hey, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. He's been such a great help to me. And even more than that, he's become a Jesus follower himself. So now he's not just your slave, Philemon, he's your brother, your your spiritual brother in Christ. And I'm sending him back to you because I want you to embrace him as a brother, as a partner in ministry, not just as your slave. So that's the the basic issue of the letter. Paul indicates in this letter he wants Philemon to, to learn from Onesimus, to learn what it means to really engage in ministry, not just sit on the sidelines. And that's the big idea of this letter. That's why it's not just a letter from one friend to another, as we said, but it's from Paul to a church. And not just to one church, but to, to the church, to churches everywhere that need to hear this message. Churches that need to to get in the game, to engage, not just stay on the sidelines. So I want us to read the letter together, and uh, I, I want us to learn from Paul, I want us to learn from Onesimus, and from Philemon about uh, uh, what it really means to engage. So, Philemon, starting in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord." Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So that's the letter. And if you were here last week, you know we talked about the big idea of this letter. And we said that what happens in here should show up out there. What happens in here should show up out there. In other words, the things that we think, the things that we say about following Jesus should show up in our real lives, in the real world. And last week specifically, we talked about that idea in regards to our relationships and in regards to our resources. It seems that Philemon wasn't really doing that. He was more of a a sideline guy than a get in the game guy and, and Paul challenges him in that saying what happens in here needs to show up in your life your faith needs to have an effect on the way you live and the reality is that big idea that what happens in here should show up out there that's the same big idea for us today it's a big idea of this book this letter and it's, so it's a big idea of our message this morning what happens in here should show up Out there. And and while we talked specifically about relationships and resources last week, we're going to look at this idea from a little different place today. And in exploring this idea, I just really want us to drill down on one specific verse. And this verse is is pretty unusual, uh, grammatically speaking. Uh, The translation we just read, the NIV, smooths the verse out so it's a little easier to understand. Normally that's really a good thing. But in this case, something gets a little lost in that smoothing. Something that's at the heart of this idea of what happens in here should show up out there. And so I want us to look at this verse in a different translation. Some of you may already use this translation, the ESV. And I want us to look at this verse in the ESV because it doesn't smooth over the verse. It allows us to kind of see the weird grammar that happens here that's important. So so listen to verse five from the ESV. "'I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, "'because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have "'toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints.'" So it's a weirdly constructed sentence. We'll talk about it in a bit, but just so we don't get confused, what Paul's really saying here is he's commending Philemon for a couple of things. And one thing is faith in the Lord Jesus. Philemon has faith. That's a good thing. The other thing is love for all the saints, for God's people. So faith in the Lord Jesus and love for the saints. Faith and love are, are key ideas in this letter. And really, these two ideas, they run like a thread all through the New Testament. In fact, in the book of Colossians, which Paul wrote to the same group of people, he says almost the exact same thing. In Colossians, he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. So he commends them there for faith and for love, faith in Christ and love for God's people. Earlier in the year, we studied the book of 1 John. In that book, John tells us God even commands faith and love. John says this is God's command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that's faith, and to love one another as he commanded us. So faith and love, these ideas show up over and over. At first glance, when we see these ideas show up in Philemon, then in faith and love, it doesn't surprise us. It's common, but This sentence in Philemon, this particular commendation, Paul does something unusual, something interesting. The order in which he puts these ideas is odd, and it tells us something important about them. So let me read this verse one more time and and listen to the order. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. So Paul, he uses a technique here that's common in the Bible, common in a lot of ancient writing. It's called a chiasmus, chiasmus. And don't worry, that's not going to be on the final exam. Chiasmus. It's a technique of, of putting ideas together, and it teaches us something. So I don't want us to get bogged down here, but just think about a chiasmus kind of like a sandwich or a burger, okay? There's, there's a bun on the top and the bottom, and then uh, there's meat and fixins in the middle, okay? And so in this burger, the, the, the top bun is this first idea, love. And the bottom bun tells us something about that love. It's love for the saints, for God's people, for for fellow Jesus followers, okay? But in the middle of this burger, this chiasmus, there's a different idea. It's faith. We see that here. Paul says, I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love. There's the top bun. And of the faith. That's the the fixings, like uh, bacon and cheese, okay? Faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus. There's your meat. And for all the saints, bottom bun. So he doesn't just say faith and love the way it shows up other places in the, in the scriptures. He sandwiches them together in this weird way so that they're, they're linked. They're, they're completely linked together. If you take away one, then the whole burger falls apart. So what are we saying here? What we're saying is the same big idea. What happens in here? should show up out there. Our faith in the Lord Jesus needs to show up. And how does it show up? It shows up as love for other people. The faith in Christ and love for other people are linked together. You can't have one without the other. Together, they're the full meal deal. If your faith doesn't show up as love, then everything falls apart. You don't have a meal. You're missing a key ingredient. That's what Paul tells Philemon. And that's what he's telling all of us who read this letter, faith should show up. And the way it shows up is love for other people. It's just that simple. Paul reinforces this understanding in the very next verse, verse six. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. He wants Philemon's faith to become active. And that active faith, love for other people, is gonna result in full understanding. In other words, in more faith. Faith. So the more faith we have, the more we see it show up as love for others. The more we love others, it should feed and grow our faith. So as we grow in faith, we grow in love for other people. As we love other people more, we grow in faith. Christ becomes more and more visible in our lives. They're linked together. What happens in here should show up out there. So for Philemon, this call to faith that shows up as love has a very practical way that it can show up. Philemon, he can demonstrate his faith through the way he loves Onesimus. Remember, Paul sends this letter to Philemon in the hands of Onesimus. Onesimus is the guy who delivers this letter to Philemon. And, and, and this slave Onesimus, he, it's clear that Philemon doesn't think much of him. He, he considers him useless. You see that in verse 11. But now, here's Onesimus. He's come back. He's come to know the Lord, thanks to Paul. And Paul sends it back to Philemon. And Philemon's got a choice to make. Will he let his faith in Jesus show up in the way that he shows love and acceptance to Onesimus? Paul tells him, don't just take Onesimus back and say, Oh, boy, glad you're back. This to-do list is really stacked up. You better get busy. No. No, he says, you have him back for good, verse 15. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, Paul says, but even dearer to you both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So Philemon has a choice to make, to let his faith show up in the real world. Will it change the way he lives and shows love to his spiritual brother? Paul feels very confident that it will. Verse 21, he tells Philemon, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Paul encourages his, uh, Philemon to let his faith show up as love specifically as love for Onesimus. That's where faith and love intersect for Philemon. And this connection between faith and love, it shows up for Paul too. What happens in Paul's life shows up out there. Paul, uh, for Paul, it shows up in one simple way. Paul lives out his faith by modeling his life on the life of Jesus. And specifically, Paul models a couple of key aspects of the life of Christ in this letter. As Paul is writing, he's encouraging Philemon, welcome Onesimus back. But it's clear that Onesimus has has wronged Philemon in the past. Uh, Some people think he might have stolen from Philemon or otherwise done him some wrong. But notice what Paul says in verse 18. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me, Paul says. Well, Paul's not just being a nice guy here. He's letting his faith show up as love for Philemon. He is modeling the life of Christ. One of the key doctrines of the Christian life is the idea of substitution. Jesus' followers believe that Jesus took on the punishment that we deserve. We're the ones who sinned, yet Jesus is the one who suffered. In effect, Jesus told God, hey, if Chris Harrison has done you any wrong, charge it to me. That's what he says. We did wrong. Jesus paid the price. That, uh, it, it, that's the key aspect of the gospel. And, and Paul models that here by saying that he lets his faith in Jesus show up as love for other people. He's going to model his life on the life of Christ. He's willing to pay the price that Onesimus owes. That's one way that Paul models this for us. But in the verse right before this, he models a similar idea. Look at verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. That's another way Paul lives out his faith, by modeling the way that God accepts us. Paul wants Philemon to accept Onesimus. And it's clear from the letter that Philemon doesn't want to do that. But Paul is willing to stand behind him. He says, welcome him as you would welcome me. This is the same thing that Jesus does for us. Jesus advocates on our behalf, not only does Jesus pay the punishment for our sins, charge it to me, he says, but Jesus also gives us his right standing before God. Theologians call it imputed righteousness. It's, it's given to us, imputed to us. Christ took on the sins that belonged to us. He took them. He paid the punishment for them. And in exchange, Christ gives us his righteousness, his right standing before God. So when God might say, that Chris Harrison, he's not fit for heaven, Jesus will say, welcome him as you would welcome me. He'll say, we're clothed in his righteousness. That's the exact same thing that Paul models here. Paul's willing to really live out his faith, to give up all of his rights for the sake of Onesimus. Paul's willing to put love on the line, so that's how his faith shows up. One person I read this week said very well, he said, it takes more than love to solve a problem. Love must pay a price. Jesus paid the price for us, and he models that for all of us to follow, giving up our own rights, making sacrifices for the sake of others, letting what happens in here show up out there. So we've talked about how this faith and love connection, this, this burger Shows up for Philemon, putting his relationship with Onesimus to the test. And we've talked about how they show up for Paul, putting his uh, life, uh, modeling his life on the life of Jesus. But how do they show up for us? In the last series that we preached viral, we talked about ways we can let our faith show up as love. We talked about what it looks like for us to share our faith with our friends, with our neighbors. That's the ultimate act of love for other people, just telling them about Jesus. And and you may remember one of the big easy steps from that series, one of the ways we can show love to other people, was just to be a blessing. Just blessing people in big ways, in little ways. Uh, That's one simple way that what happens in here can show up out there. Just letting our faith show up as love. Starting next week, as we said, we're starting a series called The Call. One of the things we're going to talk about in that series is how each of us is uniquely wired. What are our unique gifts and abilities? Uh, You could be thinking about that even now. And specifically, think about it related to this idea of letting your faith in Jesus show up as love for other people. And I'm going to give you a sort of a sneak preview of what's coming. One of the things you can be thinking about right now. One of the questions that we'll ask in this series coming up is, is simply this. What is a way that you naturally express love? What's a way that you naturally express love. And just answering that question for yourself is going to help you figure out that what happens in here, how it can show up out there. I mean, for some people, the answer to that question might be just spending time with people. Uh, you might just go and have coffee with a friend, and that, that, that face-to-face time is the way you naturally express love. For some people, it might be uh, uh, serving an act, uh, act of service, you know, that's how you naturally express love. Fixing something for somebody who can't fix it themselves, that kind of a thing. And in fact, uh, just this last week, I got a gift, a handmade gift from, from somebody. That's an act of love. My wife likes to show love by cooking for people. She loves to do that. That's just an easy way that she shows love. Everybody's different, but everybody has some way that they can answer that question. What is a way that you naturally express love? So thinking about that helps you find ways that you could be a blessing to other people. And and just think about the way that God has uniquely wired you. I mean, nobody's asking you to do anything hard. What's a way that you naturally express love? Something that comes easy to you. Find that thing and then be intentional about it about how you show love to other people. That's a simple way to let what happens in here show up out there. So Philemon, he had a very specific way he could put this into practice. He could show love to Onesimus. And Paul had a very specific way that he could put this idea into practice. He could show love to Philemon, modeling Christ's love for him. And maybe there's a specific person in your life that God wants to bring to your mind Because it's one thing to talk generally about being a blessing, but it's another thing when God has a particular person in mind. And I don't want us to end our time together this morning without giving you a chance to really listen to what God is saying and and listen for uh, maybe that person to come to your mind. So in just a moment, we're going to do just that. I want us to just ask God if there's one particular person he wants us to really be focused on in thinking about this, one person that we can show love to in a unique way that God's wired us. And as we prepare to do that, as we draw to a close, I just want to reflect on Paul's words in in another one of his letters. In in Galatians chapter five, Paul summarizes by saying this. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith and love form this, this package, this sandwich that cannot be taken apart. Faith in Christ shows up as love For other people, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Let me pray for us. Father God, we know you have given us a job of reconciliation, just as you reconciled the world to yourself through Christ. You made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors of that love. Thank you for giving us your righteousness. And we want to give your love to other people. We want our faith in you to show up in that way. And specifically, Lord, we ask that you would bring to mind a specific person that you want us to show love to. We want to put our faith into action by loving that person well, loving all people well, Lord.